Hey, it's Kanzano. I appreciate you making this podcast part of your day. Make sure you subscribe if you want more and leave us some feedback. Away we go. Initialize sequence. Welcome to The Baldcast, a production of John Kanzano's Baldface Truth. You've got the home of the truth. Back to The Baldface Truth with John Kanzano on 750 The Game. Portland State's on a win streak. Portland State football, they won two in a row, beat Lincoln last week. They get Weber State this week. Here to talk about it, Bruce Barnum, football coach, Portland State. You're, uh, the week, the days after a win are always better than the days after a loss, right? Always, John, always. Uh, uh, that fixes everything, you know. The sky's blue. All the mistakes are looked at and corrected with smiles instead of, you know, uh, but no, it's, it's it's fun to win. Give us an idea of you know Lincoln. Obviously, you guys uh, you know beat them forty-eight to six. You you uh, get some guys in the game that probably aren't getting a lot of playing time uh, in other games. But um, you know, how does that feel to you to kind of get out there and, and get an opportunity to let let some of those other guys play? Well, I uh, love it. You know, their roles aren't you know they're not on the field starting for us. Um, but they're working hard to get us prepared. So to get those guys in the game is, is cool. They love the game of football, and I uh, tried to clear the bench, did my best, but we had a lot of guys dressed. So the majority got in, but, you know, and I was proud of my team, John. You know, we're, the, we're finally not the underdog in the game, and my team did what they're supposed to do. You know, and I told them after the win, I said, hey, don't get me wrong, if you have trouble, um, you know, enjoying this one, uh, you did what you're supposed to do. You're in control of the game, and just think if if you would have lost it, you know <laughs> where you'd be. So yeah, enjoy it. But nothing good ever happens after midnight. So shut her off then. <laughs> How do you uh, manage that? Because you got like 90 kids under your care. What kind of advice do you give them? Like as you're breaking the locker room huddle after a win. Uh, I, I actually said what I just told you, John, uh, at the end, you know. Um, but, uh, and like I said, enjoy it. They work hard. You know, they got a W, so that's why you play. Um, there were a lot of smiles because uh, many people played. But, again, you know, I'm not naive. I, you and I, I was in college once, and I just said, I said, nothing good happens after midnight. So shut her down. You know, uh, don't, I mean, I've said all kinds of stuff to these guys just to try to keep them safe. Treat them like your kids. That's the easiest way to do it. You got uh, a tough one. Weber State coming in ranked. They'll be 2 o'clock kickoff at Hillsborough Stadium. You got them at home. But what do you see on film when you look at Weber State? Uh, defense. Uh, they're very efficient in the back end. They've got good front. They're well coached. You know, we went up there last year and snuck them and knocked them out of the playoffs, so I'm sure they're, if they were taking the mighty Vikes light, uh, the coaches might have something to, you know, bounce back on and talk to them about, but they're a good football team, you know, um, but I think I have a good football team. We just have to make sure we're, I wish we were healthy. We're not, but we're closer, um, but everybody's probably saying that in football right now with, you know, mid season. so. 
Um, they're a good football team, period. So we have, I like to plan uh, for them. We threw it on the field today and throw it on the field again tomorrow, shine it up Thursday, ready to go. I'll get after the Wildcats. You're in that rhythm where, you know, your guys are probably in rhythm, you're in rhythm, school's going on. Um, compare Weber State for us, you know, to maybe Montana, Montana State, when, you know, physicality-wise, talent-wise, how do they look? Um, their system is different. Um, they do well. They have some very mature, thick bodies up front. You know, you look at their front, linebackers are mostly Utah, you know, some return missionaries and or older, you know, more mature, and uh, the back ends uh, from out of state. It's kind of interesting, and they're, they are faster than uh, Flash Gordon. I mean, they fly. They fly around, and they use it. They use, run cover one, which means they have enough pe- for the people, uh, you know, football. Uh, they run cover one to stop the run. Uh, they are able to load the box. A lot of people want to do that, but they don't have the people to cover them back in. They do. They have a transfer safety from Boise State, uh, who is very fast, very aggressive. You know, he's in cover one, cover three, but all of a sudden he's showing up on the line of scrimmage. So we'll t- try to take some advantage, maybe, of of his, uh, um, you know, play. Uh, but uh, everybody's beatable. You know, that's what we talked to our guys about. But their system is different. Back to your question, their system is different. Montana's. Kent Bear is, is more of a, you know, they're all over the place. They're going to blitz you. Uh, these guys don't blitz you as much. They say we're better than you. We're going to cover you. We're going to mix it up. As soon as you think we're in man, we're going to run cover three. You know, that's how they swamped, I think, Eastern last year. they kind of unique. You know, a lot of people, well, what do you do to find out what coverage is in? Well, you, you move a guy. You motion a guy. Well, they're pretty smart and it's kind of a cool deal. They motion with him. You know, even when they're in cover three, and that guy would become your roll-down safety. So I think that, you know, goose-egged Eastern's offense for a while, and they got a couple turnovers out of it, and a close game became a swamp at the end. Uh, Weber State winning, so they're relying on turnovers. Um, and, you know, they're a good football team. They're undefeated, I think, or the last team to beat them. So welcome to Big Sky. Bruce Barnum, Portland State football coach, is with us. Um, your uh, SID, Mike Lund, sent me a photograph of a beer stein. It's Barney's beer stein. Uh, what's going on with the Barney beer stein? <laughs> well, uh, first off, it's Photoshop because somebody said, hey, you look kind of cool, which if anybody's ever seen me in person, they know that's not true. Um, so thank you know goodness for Internet, and uh, they, they can do that. Um but yeah, they're giving away Steins. Uh, it's, uh, that and pretzels, I think. Not so what? Dots, but so the, what do you the, do? You get you got to buy it, or you do you know the deal or not? Like well, you know? uh, no, I did ask, which I didn't understand some of the things they said. Then they said, oh, you know, we can't give away beer; it's illegal. I said, how the hell did that changed last year? It was a different story. They're giving away the stein, the the beer steins. They're giving okay. away the pretzels, first thousand. Okay. Um, and there's a BFT deal, you know. Yeah. Uh, we need to get some money raised for a BFT Foundation. So we're uh, we're going to tweet out a code for people who want to attend the game and get a discount on the tickets. It is the uh, Camp Exceptional BFT Foundation game, this Weber State game. So you're going to get a whole bunch of kids in the crowd. 
Bruce Barnum is with us. Um, give me an idea. I've always been curious about this. Okay, I have two two big questions for you that are more philosophy questions. But you know, you're you're playing Lincoln last week. You got the game in hand. I always hear coaches say, you know, I don't want to show too much to our next opponent. How tuned in is Weber State to what you're doing to Lincoln, or are they looking back to the Montana game, to the San Jose State game, to kind of get an idea of who you are personnel-wise and schematically? They're thorough. They'll look at them all. Uh, they might not focus on this one as much. Uh, probably time-wise more than that. They'll, they'll look at maybe the first half. Um, I'm guessing, John, and take that from it because, uh, like the offense, I – uh, we left them in for two quarters, and then at halftime, I brought them out again because I wanted to teach my offense how, how to respond, how to come out after a half. You know what I mean? Uh, they came out, they scored a touchdown, and they were done for the day. So, but I wanted to teach them that. So I'm guessing they look at that. You know, uh, first quarters in the first series of the third quarter, uh, and then they'll take everything in. But now with all the stuff they have. You know, I'm, I do some of mine part old school, part computer. I mean, you can you can break a film down and punch buttons and get it. You can look at anything you want so easily now. Um, you know, just as far as okay, all plays twenty yard line left hash. I mean, you can punch anything up if the when your data is put in. So, um, are, are you ever? tempted just to give the opponent something extra th to think about to do something that is way out of character during a game just so you throw something in there that that you know gives the opponent one more thing to have to prepare for yes you'll try to waste some of their time um you'll put a lot of guys do it let's start with special teams a lot of guys will do it with the muddle huddle when you kick a pat or field goal um, whether you're going to use it or not, every look you give them, they have to go over with their defense. That takes time away from their practice. Um, offensively, uh, you might give you know a bunch of different formations uh, just to keep them. You know they're they're, they're going to break it down to what you do and what you've scored on the most and what your impact plays are but throw those in and so maybe on a thursday they're wasting their time doing stuff yes do stuff like that i i don't my special teams guy he's big on the, hey i'm going to show him model huddle i'm going to show him this formation upon them we're going to do this in punt return we're going to do this in kickoff you know to keep them busy with special teams but offensively i do it but we're kind of a here's what we do i'm going to show it to you out of you know 20 different looks stop it i'm a little stubborn in that regard Give me another idea, too. We're watching the NFL and roughing the passer last couple of weeks. It's been alarming to see what they're flagging. How do you coach that with guys? Or what do you tell your defensive tackles, your pass rushers, when it comes to the quarterback and the way the game's being called and what you see in the NFL? Um, you know, I, I didn't even know about that until I heard uh, this morning when I was heading in. There's a New York talk. I turned the radio on. I only turn on about once a week and that's all the guy talked about my entire drive i finally turned it off because he was rambling and about the same thing but um you just got to play the game it's a, it's a violent game they're trying to protect the quarterback all around uh more at that level because that's your guy you know and they don't want a boring offense out there i guess with a second 13 quarterback uh, because you give that one guy so much darn money um so 
you know, I, I don't know. I didn't see the the strip sag. I didn't see any of it. I just heard the guy talking about it on radio, and I don't have time to check the twit. So, um, yeah. but, what, it's but what, do you, how do you, what do you tell your guys? What do you tell your guys? Do you tell them, hey, wrap them up, don't land on them? You know, like I, how do you teach a you know a three hundred pound guy who's trying to get to the quarterback to be gentle once he gets there? I I we I don't. I mean, if it's legal and it's there, I mean, it's part of the game. You sack him. Um, I can't afford to be dainty. I need to win football games, you know. Um, you're not there to hurt him. You're not there to take him out. But if you've got a chance to tackle him, tackle him. You know, you have to stay high on him. I mean, we don't. You can't I'll lead with your head and all that. But tackle him. He's got the ball in his hand, you know. Bruce Barnum, Portland State coach, with us. Uh, all right, finally, we hear about coaches that will use their bye week to recruit or see some players. How do you evaluate guys? How do you keep kind of the recruiting arm of the operation functioning while you're focused week to week on the football? Um, interesting one, because I'm trying to get ahead of the Joneses right now. You know, you, you can a lot of these the Bigger guy, FBS, SEC, Pac-12, they have a recruiting office, you know what I mean, John? I don't. Um, but I did hire I'm trying to stay ahead of my level. I I brought a guy on this year, and he is, that's his job. He's a recruiter. He's player personnel. Uh, I, I thought up of some names for him, but um, he, he's my guy. He's my scouting office. Him and A.C. Patterson, my recruiting coordinator, and we've got him. We've got him going out this week. You know, he's going out. He's taking advantage for my organization of the recruiting calendar more than I could before. So people see Portland State, et cetera. Um, they see us out there. They see us not only on a Friday game day. You know, he can stop by and get transcripts and eyeball a guy. Uh, I'm using all those calendars. That's how how I'm trying to get ahead uh, of the recruiting side of it. Good luck to you on Saturday. Beat Thanks. Weber State. Three straight, like to see that. You win three straight, we call it lightning in a bottle here. So go get it. All right, we'll get a little lightning and add maybe a little thunder on the side. <laughs> Bruce Barnum. <laughs> go get right. it. There he is, Bruce Barnum, Portland State football coach. They got the beer stands. They got the pretzels. I got a promo code for you. If you want to go see uh, the Portland State team play against Weber State, uh, I am going to tweet out the promo code, but also uh, we've got a promo code that uh, I can give you here uh, verbally if you want it as well. Uh, they help the BFT Foundation. They do a great job. Uh, Portland State, Weber State, support them. I am uh, tweeting it out uh, as we speak. Uh, it is, I don't know if I can verbally give you the promo code. I'm looking for it. But uh, in the end, uh, you get a discount on tickets, 15 bucks to get in the door. Uh Bruce Barnum and his team do a fantastic job uh, taking care of the community, taking care of kids. If you want to join, if you want to see and buy tickets, uh, look at 750 The Game uh, Twitter account. Also, my Twitter, at John Canzano BFT. Also, you can go to the BFT Foundation's Twitter, at BFT Foundation. And uh, there's a link there to order up some tickets, 15 bucks to get in and see the Vikings play Weber State. Weber State ranks sixth right now. In that division of football, very good football team, but Portland State playing at home. Leave it here. You got the BFT.
Back to the Bald Face Truth with John Canzano on 750 The Game. UCLA Athletic Director Martin Jarmond uh, told ESPN today that he thinks the best football in America is being played at the Rose Bowl. The best football in America. Now, do I believe the best football in America is being played by UCLA? No, it's not. But I kind of like what Martin Jarmond's doing. The Athletic Director at UCLA comes from the Big Ten Conference. He's got his background at Ohio State. Prior to UCLA, he was at Boston College. Uh, what I'm saying is he understands the promotion game, he understands the marketing game, and he's in L.A. where he's trying to sell tickets into the Rose Bowl. I don't blame him one bit for, for going public and saying, hey, I think we have the best football team in America. I think the University of Oregon needs to start doing this. Lincoln Riley and USC, they got out of the gates doing this. Mike Bone, the athletic director, you remember how UCLA and USC have uh, started their seasons? You know, it was very different. Like, all the expectation was coming out of the USC world, where Bone brought the song girls and the USC marching band at the introductory news conference for Lincoln Riley. And, you know, he essentially uh, let it sail and, you know, basically just said, the you know, the best football in America is uh, not happening at U- UCLA. But it's going to be happening at um, USC. He said, you know, they were, they were going to rock the college football world. And I'm not saying that they have because I still think USC has got a lot to prove here. But I like what these ADs are doing. They're hyping it up. Guys, is, where is the best college football in America being played right now? I think it's in the SEC in, down south still. But, you know, I, I agree with you. I think if you're the Pac-12 and you're UCLA and you're the West Coast, you want to get that recognition over here. And not many people stand up for the Pac-12 and say it's good football over here. But this year we talked about this. Like, the Pac-12 is definitely up this year. You know, it was a down year last year, but they're having a really good year. So try to promote the teams and see if you can get into the college football playoff with a one-loss team just in case USC or UCLA loses. I, I like the strategy. I think that it's a, been a really bad year for the Big Ten. You know, I think I, my answer is Ohio State. Like, I think Ohio State's the best team in the country right now, and I think they have the best shot to win the title, but they're playing cupcakes every single week. I think the Big 12 and the Pac-12 are both really good this year. Uh, the Big 12's got the depth going for it. The Pac-12's got, uh, you know, four, maybe three, maybe four great teams. Uh, I'd say three. And then, uh, you know, SEC, it's it's not only Bama and Georgia, but we'll see what Tennessee's made of. Uh, uh, then, you know, other than that, it's been a little bit disappointing in the SEC. So uh, it's been kind of mixed throughout the country. But I think the Big 12 and Pac-12 are having better than expected seasons. Yeah, I think uh, given what we saw last year from the Pac-12, everybody kind of looked at how the Pac-12 came out of the non-conference schedule. And aside from week one where Utah lost at Florida and Oregon got boat raced by Georgia, it's been a, a really productive non-conference for the for the Pac-12. They've saved some face and beat some Big Ten teams like Wisconsin and Michigan State, for example, that maybe we didn't expect. I still think Ohio State might be the best team in America. It's Georgia, it's Ohio State, it's Alabama, but Michigan is sitting there undefeated. 
Penn State is 5-0. and um, Are we not giving any respect to those teams? Uh, yeah, and you know, I, think, I get what you're saying. I get what you're saying. Like look, the, I, the bulk of the okay, Big Ten so stinks. I agree. Yeah, Michigan and Penn State. I I need to see it more. Um, you know, like because the rest of the Big Ten stinks. Like, uh, I forgive me. I it's the Big Ten West. It's the the division that Ohio State, Penn State, and Michigan are not in. It's just a complete mess. That other side of the Big Ten and teams like Wisconsin and Michigan State, Minnesota, Nebraska, Northwestern. It's all awful this year. So, uh, I do believe in Ohio State because there have been other players and units that have stepped up for them that we didn't even expect, and they are just on cruise control. But Penn State and Michigan, I still have to see it. Um, you know, I, I'm i not really sure. I, I believe in three teams as a whole uh, in college football right now. It's Bama, Georgia, Ohio State, but I'm still waiting for a fourth. It could be Tennessee. They got Bama this week. I, I do think Michigan is actually a really good team. Uh, you know, they've struggled a little bit in Big Ten play, haven't really blown out opponents, but they have gotten the wins and they really pull away at the end. I'm not buying Penn State as long as Sean Clifford is the quarterback. I just don't think he's that great, and they kind of a ceiling with him at, at when he's the quarterback. So, uh, yeah, John, I mean, by Michigan, I think that they are a definite contender for that four spot in the College Bowl playoff, and you know they have their shot when they play against Ohio State at the end of the year. I really wish Texas would have beat Alabama early in the year because the whole I think it would have thrown the poll a little bit in a different direction. I think Clemson would probably be sitting at three and Michigan at four. Already. Or A&M. I mean, A&M had yeah. a shot last yeah. play. Yeah. I, I, I see. Uh, I think Alabama's got some weaknesses. This isn't, this doesn't remind me of some of those years where Alabama gets to the playoff and we all sort of pencil them into the title game. But, um, you know, Ohio state is coming on in a way that reminds me of how, what they did in 2015. And, you know, they're just, they're starting, you can feel it going as, you know, they're starting to come on. So keep an eye on that. But, I, it, you know, I can't help but think about the 12-team playoff. And I'm looking at, like, the top 15 right now in the poll. And how far down, as you look at the AP top 25 or the coaches poll, how far down do you go before you go, you know what, this team can't win it? You know what I mean by that? Like, how many true contenders are there? Right now on the board, if you if I gave you a pool and I said, all right, you, you can pick a handful of teams, how many teams do you need to pick to absolutely capture the national champion at this point of the season? I think I would go, I think four teams could win the national championship in football. And I think it's Georgia, Ohio State, Alabama, and then I would put Clemson in there as well. I think Clemson has the talent and has proven that they can beat these type of teams. I don't think Michigan has enough to win it all, neither to Tennessee or USC. So, uh, yeah, I think it's those four and to your point, Alabama, how they do have some weaknesses this year, uh, they are seven-point favorites on the road at Tennessee, but that doesn't seem like a lot, right? No. Like Usually it's about 14 wins like this. So, uh, yeah, it seems a little vulnerable this week. I'm going yeah, to say six teams. And, oh, wow. and I need one more week, though. In one more week, I'll be able to say three or four because I want to see Alabama play at Tennessee. Yeah, yeah. No, I, Bama's interesting because they're going to be in the SEC title game most likely, and then that could very well be a loss to Georgia. So if they can get one more loss during this regular season, then suddenly that's two. And I'm with you, John. I wish it happened against A&M or, or Texas because I don't really know who in the state of Oregon. I don't, you know, I, I wonder if anyone listening to the show roots for Alabama. Like, if you don't live in the yeah, state of Alabama. I have a friend who's Alabama grad who listens to the show. Okay. Yeah, so well, I'm yeah, sure I think everyone's rooting against yeah. them, and I think it's it's a year where they're a little bit more vulnerable. But I, I still see three you know it, it, 
if Bryce Young is healthy, which is not a, not a for sure, he's still questionable to play in this week's game against Tennessee. I think Alabama should be in those top teams of competing for a national championship and can get it. Yeah, I was just gonna say I, I still see three for now: Georgia, Ohio State, Bama. I you know I think uh, it's a drop off after that. Unfortunately, as fun as it's been. I still want to see it played out. You know, I still can't wait for the 12-team playoff. We're going to play Punch It Audio coming up. I want you to leave it here. We interrupt this podcast with a special announcement from the Bald Face hey, sorry Truth. to interrupt the podcast, but if you want to listen to more of the Bald Face Truth Radio Show, including more of this segment that you're listening to, make sure you subscribe on SoundCloud and iTunes to the Bald Face Truth Radio Show. Thanks for listening.